You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. The Antichrist will guarantee that if you wear his number, he will shelter you from the waves of God's judgment from the tribulation. The Antichrist is going to be like Prince Julian in the cartoon and inviting everyone to come and bask in my glow. The Antichrist will promise that his kingdom can be your shelter and your fortress and your strong tower. Wow. But the price tag. For most of us, the majority of our time is focused on taking care of our physical needs and wants. Food, clothing, shelter, health, security, comfort, hobbies. Even our prayer life can get bogged down and center on only those things. Pastor Dion warns us today that we can get off track if that's all we're looking to, and that Satan's trap is baited with all of those things. When the going gets tough, will you be willing to die, or will you bow to the grantor of temporary satisfaction? Now let's join Pastor Dion in the book of Revelation chapter 1 as he begins his message, Jesus 2.0. We've been doing a series called Foundations. Everybody say it out loud. What? Foundations. The foundations of our Christian faith. See, our faith, our confidence in God, our knowledge of God needs to be founded on something, and it should be founded on the Word of God and what God says about Himself. Not what somebody else says about God, not what somebody else says about Jesus, but what the Bible and He Himself has said about Himself. Amen. So we're building our faith, our confidence, our trust in what the Bible says, and we've been looking at the person of Jesus for the past um, two, three weeks. Uh, actually, and so Jesus as the Son of God. We've actually been focusing on this particular verse in the book of Revelation, chapter 1 and verse 8, that says, I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, everybody out loud, the Almighty One. Now that was a declaration that Jesus Christ made. He said, I am the one who is, I am the one who always was, and I am the one who is still to come, the Almighty One. Say it again, the what? The Almighty One. So basically in that passage, Jesus said that He is and was and will always be Almighty. And in this declaration that Jesus made, there's actually a timeline that's exposed. Everybody say a timeline. A timeline is exposed. That Jesus is Almighty, first of all, in the past, we know that He was there at creation because we studied that, right? We also know that He was there throughout the Old Testament as the promised Messiah. And then in Bethlehem, at a particular date, by a virgin by the name of Mary, He was born, God in the flesh. Everybody say, God in a bod. I mean, He's born. So, the incarnation. And of course, He lived for 33 and a half years. He actually went to the cross. He, uh, perfect blood, perfect person, perfect man. And He went to pay the penalty for sin for each one of us. Look at your neighbor and say, for me and for you. Just look at him and tell him that. And He did that. 
And then, of course, they put him in a grave after he had died on the cross. But in three days, he, everybody said out loud, he what? Resurrected and he was alive. And then shortly after that, 40 days later, he ascended to his father. And that is considered the past tense. Jesus was the Savior of the world in the past. And he tells us that. He was almighty in the past as Savior of the world. And guys, let me ask you, is he done being Savior of the world? Uh, uh, he is. He's already he's finished. As far as Savior of the world, salvation and forgiveness is available to everyone. That job is done. How do we know? Because Jesus said, it is finished. Can you say amen? And all that is required of us is to believe now. Whosoever believes, and the Bible says, shall be saved, right? All right, so that was Jesus in, the, in, in His past. He was almighty in the past. But after His ascension, when He was in heaven, the time frame changed, and it became the present. All right? And the church age began, and I talked about that a couple of weeks ago. The church age began. And now Jesus has a new role for all the believers. He is done being Savior of the world. That salvation is available to whosoever believes. And after He ascended to His Father, He took on a new role. And He is Almighty in the present. What is He doing now? Well, He's our intercessor. He's our mediator. He's our advocate. He's our comforter. Can you say amen? He is our shepherd. And He guides us and leads us as His sheep. And it's so beautiful. And still in the present, He's also promised that He's going to come and take us home. And it's called the rapture of the church. Everybody say it out loud. What? The rapture of the church. And so that's what Jesus is doing right now. He is in the present. He is almighty in the present as the head of the body. And He is taking care of us. I mean, even through this world of trial and difficulty and stresses and hardships, He takes care of us. Can you say amen? And so, and then he is actually waiting for the heavenly father to tell him it's time to bring the familia home. And so when that happens, Jesus Christ is going to come in the clouds and he is going to catch us all away to be with him forever. Look at your neighbor and say forever. And it's awesome. Now, I know it's, it's a little bit hard to believe. You're sitting there thinking, I mean, I, that, is it really? But we talked about it. We heard Jesus promise. He said, listen, I'm going to go away. He said, but I'm going to come back. Because where I'm going, you cannot come right now, but I'm going to come back. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And then I'm going to come and I'm going to catch you and take you away to be with me that where I am, you can be also. How many of us are looking for the rapture of the church, right? In fact, Jesus even used a few analogies, and I talked about one last week about this wedding where um, Jesus uses a, an illustration about a young man who comes to ask for a, uh, you know, a woman in marriage, and he asks her dad, and uh, there's a dowry that struck, you know, as if, whether it was a couple of a, a milk goat or a few chickens or, you know, whatever it was. He strikes a dowry price for the, with a father, and then he goes away. We read the passage, the illustration, the story Jesus said. He goes away to build a room at his father's house and then he's going to come back when he's done and he's going to get his bride and they are, he's going to take her to his father's house and there they're going to live forever. Amen? Alright, so Jesus used that illustration. Well, Jesus also came and he paid a dowry price for us. His own blood. The Holy Spirit. He left a dowry price for all of us. 
And he's going to come. He went to the Father's house. He's preparing a place for us. And now all that's left is for him to come and take us to be with him so that we can be with him forever. And and I love the whole picture, right? It's awesome. But again, I want to tell you that Jesus is almighty. That is the present age up until the rapture of the church. We're living in Jesus' present age. But then after the present age, something's going to happen. After the rapture of the church, actually, the tense is going to change, and it's going to move from what what we knew to be future. It's going to be, uh, as it happens, it's going to be the present at that time. But the future will start, and Jesus has a different role. Again, he was Savior of the world in the past. He is head of the church in the present, but he is going to be mighty warrior. In the future. And yeah, you can go ahead and applause. That's, that, that's worth it. See, guys, after the rapture of the church, the tense will change and Jesus' role will change. In fact, the book of Revelation, which the book of Revelation, the word revelation means disclosure. Say it out loud. What? Disclosure. The book of Revelation or disclosure is not only a disclosure of the end of days as much as it is a disclosure of Jesus in the end of days. A disclosure of who? As the warrior king. See, the book of Revelation is supposed to illuminate us to Jesus' new role. In fact, when John sees Jesus for the first time in that vision, he can't even, I mean, he he had heard Jesus' voice. He turned around to look at him thinking it was the Jesus that he knew and it was completely different. Jesus 2.0. Everybody say it aloud. What? Jesus 2.0. The warrior king. We can say it this way. Papa's got a brand new bag, right? Now, after the rapture of the church, here's what's going to happen. As I said, Jesus moves in. The tense moves. And Jesus moves into a new role. After the rapture of the church, the apocalypse will begin. That is God's judgment. Say it out loud. What? God's judgment. Now, at the very beginning of that, it will happen. God's judgment will happen in waves. And it's illustrated in the book of Revelation as the four horsemen of the apocalypse. So God's judgment will start in waves. And first there will be the Antichrist. He will surface. Then there will be war. And then there will be famine. And then there will be widespread death. It will happen in waves. Say it again. What? In waves. But during that time, during those waves of judgment, God's going to leave room for people to make U-turns and come to Him. It's pretty cool. In fact, He sends 144,000 Jewish evangelists to preach the gospel during that time. And no, they're not Jehovah Witnesses, right? But the gospel is going to be preached by these 144,000 evangelists. So waves of judgment are happening and also the gospel's being preached. Another time what God will do is he's going to send two prophets, Moses and Elijah, to preach and to work miracles in the earth so that people again can return to the Lord, come to know the Lord Jesus during that period. Then at the very end of this, this particular situation, God's going to send an angel who will broadcast audibly. One angel will broadcast the gospel audibly and it will be heard globally by one angel preaching. Isn't that awesome? So waves of judgment are going to be happening, but there's also people are going to be coming to the Lord during this time. People will be saved during this time of judgment, during that first three and a half years. 
But then this guy, everybody, we all know who he is in the Bible, everybody out loud, the Antichrist, he's going to turn for the worst. He starts out as, uh, you know, a real, you know, savior, so to speak. But at this point, after three and a half years, he's going to take a turn for the worst. See, at the first, when the Antichrist first surfaces, he will only be competing with God, building an empire that promises to shield people from God's judgment. That's basically what he does. He comes out and he says, hey, listen, I know this is God's judgment, but I have a way. We're going to we have a way to shield you from all this stuff that's happening. All right. So he promises to shield them from God's judgment. The empire that he wants to build will be both political and religious. And it will be called, everybody say it out loud, Babylon the Great. Say it out loud. What? Babylon the Great. It will be a one world government where the Antichrist is the leader. It will be a one world church where he is the Messiah. Everybody say, wow. But then the Antichrist will decide he wants to do more than just compete with God. He wants to be God. And that's when Satan will possess him the same way that he possessed the serpent in the Garden of Eden. And then the Satan-possessed Antichrist will demand exclusive allegiance. He will demand that everyone wear his jersey. I want everyone to wear my jersey, my number. If you don't, you will be put to death, he will demand. And here's his jersey number. We know it because it's found in the book of Revelation. It is the number, everybody, 666, also known as the number of the beast. In fact, Revelation chapter 13 and verse 16 explains it like this. The second beast also forced all people, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to have a mark on their right hand and on their forehead. No one could buy or sell without this mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. Its number is, everybody out loud, 666. So the Satan-possessed Antichrist number will be more than just a jersey that you slip on and off, all right? Something you can just kind of pretend. No way. This particular number is going to be a microchip that's injected into your forehead or on the right forehand. And the Antichrist will guarantee that if you wear his number, he will shelter you from the waves of God's judgment from the tribulation. The Antichrist is going to be like Prince Julian in the cartoon and inviting everyone to come and bask in my glow. The Antichrist will promise that his kingdom can be your shelter and your fortress and your strong tower. Wow. But the price tag, well, that's the thing about the price tag for this protection, for this safety, for this security. It will cost you, everybody said out loud, what? Your soul. See, you will need to sell out exclusively to him. Rejecting God and embracing Him alone. Complete allegiance, unwavering loyalty, and exclusive worship, or death. Sounds like too much to pay? Think the price is too steep? Well, people will pay it. 
In fact, we saw during the pandemic how people will gladly give up their rights and their freedoms to be safe. Not hard to believe. Now during the apocalypse, here's what's going to happen. During this time, fools and mockers and kings and kingdoms will stand in long lines to get the hellish number. And this will become a world of rebels. Because remember, whoever does not get it cannot trade, cannot buy, cannot function, no medical attention. And you're going to be stuck. And the number is basically requiring that you give full and complete and entire allegiance. Surrender completely to the Antichrist. And people are going to do that. And if you don't, you die. Alright? So it will become a world of rebels. These people will declare that they don't need God, nor do they want Him. They're going to put their fist in God's face and tell Him, we can survive your worst. We've got a kingdom that uh, the Antichrist has built, the Babylon the Great, and we will survive. But God will not let that go unanswered. God reserved the worst judgment for the Antichrist and his rebellious followers. Like I said, up to now, God has dispensed waves of judgment diluted with mercy and grace. He has given invitations to repent and believe. But now at this point, the world of hardened rebels, uh, they'll be given the undiluted, concentrated judgment of God. Everybody say, wow. They're called the bowl judgments. And once they're executed, once God re you know, releases these bowl judgments, pours these bowl judgments on the Antichrist and his hardened, rebellious followers, Babylon the Great will fall. Everybody say, crash! Crash! They've put their fist in God's face, a world of rebels saying, do your worst. We're going to survive it. And God says, oh, really? And he pours out the bold judgments. And Babylon the Great will fall. The kingdom that was supposed to keep all these rebels safe and secure, is, it crashes. God hits them with painful sores, scorching heat. He'll cut off the water and the food and the power. The lights will go out in heaven. I'm not just talking about the electric company. I'm talking black. And here's Revelation chapter 16 tells us the, the grand finale of this judgment that God will pour out. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Now the great city was divided, talking about Babylon the Great, was divided into three parts. It just toppled. And the cities of the nations fell. And the great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Then every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And a great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent, a hundred pounds. Men blasphemed God because of the plague and of the hail, since the plague, that it, that was, it was exceedingly great. Everybody say, wow. 
So here is this, this whole world of rebels who have hardened their heart towards God and they have sold out exclusively to Satan, the Antichrist. And they basically told God, we don't need you, we don't want you, we can survive your worst. And then God pours out this final bowls. I tell you, and it's pretty severe. I mean, it's serious. At first, the lights go out. The earth shakes with such an earthquake that has never been felt. So severe that islands sink into the water. Wow. The earth almost falls off of its access. Everything goes dark. He's reminding them who's God. <laughs> right? The city that the Antichrist and his followers called heaven on earth is decimated. And Satan is humiliated and embarrassed. In fact, he probably told his sidekick, the false prophet, I looked like a fool last night. The way Nacho tells Skeleto, I looked like a fool last night. Satan posing as Antichrist and all of his followers will feel the shame and pain of the beatdown. But instead of surrendering to God, they want this. Everybody say it out loud. Payback. You've got to be kidding. Look at your neighbor and say, you've got to be kidding. You think with such a severe judgment, there is no denying that he is sovereign God. But they, they, they don't give up. They say, we want payback. Satan and the Antichrist at that point threatened God with war. They promised to unite the world's armies and destroy Israel. You know, they're your people. We're going to just come in here. We're going to decimate them. And you dare show your face and we'll take care of you too. That's the attitude. Those are some serious threats. Everybody say serious threats. You and I can be intimidated by the devil's bullying, by his threats, by his persecution. I mean, Satan growls and roars and is sometimes successful at scaring us into a panic. But the devil's threats don't scare the Lord. Isn't that awesome? That was a good place to, to, to clap and cheer, right? But, but, but you missed it. Stop. You missed it. At this point, as the devil is are swearing, they're going to take, you know, they're, they're going to get payback. They're going to get revenge and clear out Israel and hope that you just show your face so we can take care of you. As the devil's making those threats, God doesn't even give them a second thought. And instead of God heading to the war room to strategize what he's going to do, he heads to a banquet room to party. He's not worried. Sometimes we read the book of Revelation, we get all panicked and worried. Guess what? God's not worried. Thanks for joining us here on The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova. Pastor Dion has been taking it down to the foundation in the current series, laying out the basics of the faith. Doesn't going back to the basics just sound lovely? Take away all the cares of the world, drop off your adult worries and responsibilities, and go back to the time of Jesus loves me, this I know. The foundation of our faith rests on that one extraordinary truth. Jesus loves me. 
Jesus loves you. How do we know? The Bible tells us so, over and over, in a million different ways. So, how is this time of resting on the simple truth felt to you? Can you feel the love of Jesus surrounding you? He wants you to feel that way all the time, in every situation. So, when you leave this holy space with the Lord, take His love with you. And here's the truth, my friend. The more time you spend in the Word with Jesus, the more you'll know and feel His love for you. If you're not ready to leave this space just yet, don't worry. You can stick around. Pastor Dion has many more messages of God's love, and they're all stored on our YouTube page. Just head on over there next to continue in the Word. The Simple Truth is a ministry out of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel in Española, New Mexico. To find out more about us and find our church, head on over to tmcalvary.com. Once again, that's tmcalvary.com. We'd love to have you come see us sometime. And with that, we have come to the end of our time together. Come back next time to soak in more love right here on The Simple Truth. Let us join our hands and together we stand. Together we